Well, if you have your Bible this morning, we're going to be looking at various texts again as we travel through our vision series. Um, as I mentioned, we, we've been looking at what it is that we as a church are called to do, uh, what we uh, should be hoping for, striving for, what our goal should be um, as a church and individuals. Um, we've seen that our vision is this, that we would become more like Jesus together, that we as a church would work together to to more clearly and accurately represent God's character in our church as it's revealed in his word. So we saw that our vision is that we become more like Jesus. And the way we do that first is through his word. It's the tool which God uses to shape us into the image of his son that is our, uh, that is our goal to be. Today we're going to see that not only does God use his word to shape us into his image, he also uses the church to do that as well. Uh, we're going to see that God designs humans and Christians to live in community, and this community is the setting for growth and missions. A few years ago, it's become a, that's not a few years ago now, it's a lot of years ago now, there was a TV show called Lost. Did anybody watch Lost other than me, Whitney? Okay, we got some people. Okay, so in the first few episodes, this is a great show. If you want to go back and watch it, you should. It's, it's probably out there on Netflix. Um, but you go and in this show, in the very first few episodes, there's this plane crash that happens on this island. Um, a bunch of people who don't know each other at all crash on this island and they have to learn to live together. Um, this island... The, Turns out to be more than what it seems to be. There's some crazy stuff going on. Um, and all of the people uh, that crashed on the plane kind of start to fight one another and disagree with one another. And the main character says this to them. If we don't learn to live together, we're going to die alone. Does anybody remember that from that show? Uh, I think that's a really good thought for us as Christians. Um, if we don't learn to live together as Christians, we fade away alone. Christians and humans, really, are designed to be in community with one another. We are communal beings, and we're designed to be that way. And if we as Christians, if we don't learn to live together and strive towards the same goal, we'll fade away and die alone. So today we're going to look at why it is that we need to be in community and why I'm saying this is one of our core values. We value the Word of God, and everything we do is based on the Word of God. And yet we do that within the community of God as well. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll get into looking at some of the scriptures that show us uh, the importance of community. Let's pray. Father, we come before you thanking you for everything that you've done for us. God, we thank you so much that you have saved us, and not only saved us individually, but saved us as a people. And God, we ask that you would help us to see the importance that you make on community in your word, and that we would translate that into our lives, that we would strive to make community an important part of our lives, both here in the church and individually, and that we would live uh, as Christians who help one another strive for the same goal of making your name great in this world. We love you and we praise you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So why is community an important part of what we do? It's because community is part of your identity. As a human, and as a Christian, I see that in the book of Genesis started off in the very beginning. We're created for community. When God created us, as I've done in every sermon the past few times, I pointed back to he created us in his image. He created you to look like him, reflect his character in this world. And then he told Adam and Eve, our great, great grandparents, to, fill, to multiply and fill the earth. So the very first institution God made was the family. 
a community, a small community of people that were intended to grow that community and to take God's image and spread it throughout the whole world. We were created for community. A few chapters later, we see Abraham. God called Abraham from a far country, calls him near. And what does he say to Abraham? He says, I'm going to make your family great. I'm going to give you descendants that number the amount of stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. And your family will bless all nations. Your family will bless all nations. Well, we know that blessing came through Jesus. He was that blessing to all nations. And we have missionaries that take that blessing to all nations. But he did that through a family, through a community of people that God created in order to fulfill his purpose. So he created an Adam and Eve, a community to fulfill his purpose. He called the Israelites up through Abraham to fulfill his purpose. And then we have the Israelites who, who live in the promised land. And God gives them the law. And why did God give them the law? So that they would reflect his image, so they know how to do that. But also so they could know how to relate to one another. Much of the law, much of the 613 laws that are in the Old Testament, speak of how you're to treat one another. And then we get into the New Testament. And how does Jesus summarize the law? Well, he says the two greatest commandments are this, that you would love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Again, emphasizing community, being among other people. Paul takes it a step further and talks about bearing one another's burdens. And when you bear one another's burdens, you fulfill the law. That's how Paul, the Apostle Paul, summarized the law. How we fulfill it is that we would bear one another's burdens, that we would live in community with one another, that we would help one another out. We were created for community and we were saved for community. Paul goes on to say this in the book of Titus chapter 2. He says that as we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So as Jesus saves us, as he died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead, he did not just save individuals. Sure, there's an individual aspect to what we just uh, witnessed as Lily was baptized. That's an individual expression. But you notice I also asked you, church, to make a commitment to her because that was a a community event as well. Uh, When we are saved, we are saved into the family of God. Not just saved as individuals, but saved as a family. The moment you believe, you become brothers and sisters with all Christians from all places at all times. It's an amazing thing. Many of you, is when you look back and think uh, when you were getting married, the moment you said, I do, you not only married that woman or that man that stood before you, you also married their family, right? Every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, every birthday, you're with them um, for better or for worse, right? Uh, the moment you say, I do, you become a part of that family. And in the same way, the moment that you put your faith in Christ, you are brought in to the family of Christ, the family of God, the, uh, of God's people from all time, all places. You are a part of that family. So Jesus didn't die to create individual Christians. He died to create a people. And being part of the family of God is not just something that you do. 
It's part of who you are. That's what I want to make the emphasis on this point is it's not just something that you do. Joining together on Sunday morning is not something that you do. It's part of who you are as God's people, right? To think of it this way, there's a lot of stuff that we all do throughout the week. Um, we could fill up marker boards of all the things we do, whether that's um, work at a job. Maybe you work two jobs or three jobs. Um, maybe you have a side hustle that you work on. Um, maybe you're a student at school. Maybe you're a teacher at school. Uh, maybe you're a husband or a wife or a child, a grandchild. Maybe you're part of some kind of club or organization or, or, or something like that. There are a million things that we're a part of. Sports. Um, Football in the fall, basketball in the winters, track in the spring. Like that just is part of what you do. Now, if church or being a part of God's people just becomes another thing that you juggle, you'll eventually drop something. You'll eventually drop something. Even the best jugglers in the world cannot juggle an infinite amount of items. They'll drop something eventually. And many times if church, if being part of God's people is just another thing you juggle, It's going to get dropped early on in the process. But if we start to view it not as just something else we have to do, but being a part of God's people is actually the thing that defines how you do all the other things. Does that make sense? Being a part of God's people should impact the way that you do all those other things. As as a Christian, that should impact the way that you work. The way that you are an employee at your job, that should impact how you work. Also, it should impact the way you play sports, the way you parent, the way you grandparent, the way you are a a leader at your work. All of those things should be impacted by the fact that you are a part of God's people, by the fact that you've been saved and redeemed. That should impact all of the other things. So don't see being a part of God's people as something to juggle. See it as the defining character of who you are that impacts all the other parts of your life. So being a part of a community of God is part of your identity and being part of the community of God is your maturity. It's how you mature in the faith. Now, let's be honest. Maybe talk about the elephant in the room even. Being a part of the people of God is not easy, right? It's really hard sometimes. Uh, You got a bunch of people that are united, not by your favorite sports team, not by the job you work, not by your favorite color. You're united to the people in this room, the people of God, because you've been saved by God. That's the one uniting factor. Now, all the other factors in our life, we're not always in a line on. And that makes it really hard uh, to get along sometimes. Uh, Sometimes we have different opinions on what color the church should be or what the church should be doing um, or how the church should spend its money, all kinds of things like that. Um, So being a part of a church is really hard. But let me say this to you. It's hard to be part of a church, but it's even harder to be a Christian outside of church. It's hard to be a mature, growing believer if you are not intentionally part of God's people. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, the church, the God, being part of God's people, is the soil in which Christians are intended to grow. Uh, this is the soil that best feeds Christians. As we mentioned before, you can grow, uh, you can probably grow an apple tree in any climate, but it's going to work best in a certain climate. You can grow a coconut tree or palm tree in any climate in the world, but it's probably going to grow naturally and spread better in certain climates. And I say this to you, as Christians, you're going to grow best 
as part of God's people, no matter how difficult that may be. No matter, how, no matter how hard it is to get along with some of the people that may be sitting in the pews around you, it's a much better situation for you as a Christian to be part of a group of people than to be not part of a group of people. As a matter of fact, it keeps you in the faith. Let me read to you. If you want to turn in your Bibles to, to Hebrews, we're going to look at a few verses here. The book of Hebrews chapter 3. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but this uh, writer tells us he's using an, an example from the Old Testament talking about the people of Israel. Um, they had turned and not listened to God. And he's encouraging uh, these new Christians to not turn away from God. And in Hebrews chapter 3, in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, he says this. Hebrews 3, 12 through 15, he says this. Take care, brothers... Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion." Notice what this author encourages us to do. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of y'all an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Exhort one another. Do you hear the communal aspect of these, these verses? He's saying in order to make sure there's no unbelieving heart among you, you need each other. You need one another to help that there be no unbelieving heart among you, that we are to exhort one another or encourage or uh, another good word for that is to coach one another um, in this. It's a communal aspect. To think of it this way, you need the other Christians around you to help you stay in the faith. And vice versa, other Christians around you need you to help them stay in the faith. Uh, a word of encouragement to our missionaries. They, they taught us as we were um, heading overseas, they told us, hey, you guys are going to have good days and bad days. Um, there's going to be days, and there were days when I would get so fed up with uh, the Indian people that I did not want to live there anymore. But Whitney was having a good day, so she was okay. Uh, she kept me on the field. I didn't buy a plane ticket and come home. Or vice versa, there'd be other days when just the culture or, or whatever it was would dr- be driving Whitney crazy. But I was having a good day that day. So we were able to stay and, and push through. Um, and that'll happen to you guys as well. But see the picture there is that as you have other people around you, other people who can help encourage you, exhort you, hold you down, um, that's going to help keep you in the faith. There's going to be days when you really doubt the faith, when you have a hard time uh, trusting in God that he's going to take care of you and your family. There's going to be days when you just are like, man, I am done with this. But that's why you have brothers and sisters that you can say, hey, I just am really struggling. Can we go get coffee this weekend and just can I just share with you what's going on in my heart? And that brother or sister, prayerfully, is going to be having a good day. And they're going to be having a good moment in life where they can hey, say, hey, we can trust in the Lord. This, I went through the same thing and we can look back and God answered this prayer in my life and he can do the same thing in your life. God puts us in community because if we were individuals trying to stand up on our own, we would surely fall and fail.
So it holds us in the faith. Also being part of the community of God is our comfort in crisis. As Paul is speaking in 1 Corinthians about the fact that we're one body made of many members, he says this, If one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. That's a really good thing. When you're going through the hard times in your life, and you're going through a difficult time and you're suffering, just know that other believers are coming around you to suffer with you, to bear that burden along with you. And when you're rejoicing in life, hopefully you have other Christians around you that are going to rejoice in that winning as well. If you've ever watched a football game, how, many, how silly would it be um, if a running back ran and scored a touchdown and a lineman was jealous of the, that the guy got the touchdown and was like, man, I wish we hadn't scored that touchdown. That would be so silly, right? Now, we as Christians, we have to be willing and, or not just willing, we have to be excited to celebrate uh, the wins that we have in life with one another. Um, as we suffer together, as, we su- as one person suffers, we all suffer. As one person's honored, we're all honored. So we've looked to see that we're created for community, that we are saved for community. We're also empowered for community. And when we become believers... Not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to live out how God would have us live. It's, it's as if um, when you put your hand into a glove, that glove does everything that you want it to do. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit's kind of like that hand in the glove. When it fills us, uh, we begin to be able to live the way that God wants us to live. And one of the particular ways that we need, to, we need the Holy Spirit's help is to live in community with one another. Because as we mentioned, living in community is hard. But as the Holy Spirit helps us, we can do that. We can do that. I want to finish our sermon today. I want to read to you a lot of scripture. All right. In the Bible, the word one another, in the New Testament anyways, is used a hundred times. One another. About 59 of those times are used... As a command in how we are to treat one another. How we're to act toward one another. I want to read those to you. Not all 59 because some of them are the same ones over and over. I'm going to read those to you. And as you hear this checklist, I want you to be mentally going through this checklist. Thinking, hey, that's something that I do well. Or think, man, that's something I don't do well and I need to grow in. But I want you to hear what the the New Testament calls us. How the New Testament calls us to treat one another. Starting in the book of John, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Going on to Romans, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Again, love one another with brotherly affections, Romans 12.10. Outdo one another in showing honor, Romans 12.10 as well. Live in harmony, with one another, Romans twelve sixteen. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, Romans 14. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God, Romans, 12, uh, Romans 15. Instruct one another, Romans 15. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, we're going to take that as cultural. A handshake or a hug is going to be just fine, all right? Romans 16, that there, be no, that there may be no division 
in the body, but that the members would have care for one another. 1 Corinthians 12. Through love, serve one another. Galatians 5. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Galatians 5. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with one another. Ephesians 4. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Submitting to one another. That's a tough one. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians 5. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Philippians 2. Do not lie to one another. Colossians 3. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. 1 Thessalonians. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. 1 Thessalonians. Therefore encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Same verse. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. First Thessalonians. Let us consider how we might stir one another up in good works and in love. Romans 10. Do not speak evil against one another. James 4. Do not grumble against one another. James 5. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. James 5. Show hospitality to one another. 1 Peter 4. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. 1 Peter 5. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John. There's a lot of one another's in the Bible. More than that. Um, But as you hear those things, hear how you are to treat one another to love one another, forgive one another, be humble toward one another, encourage one another, teach one another. A lot of really good things. And some of those things are harder than others. There are absolutely going to be times when forgiving somebody within this church, forgiving me will be really hard and difficult. There's going to be times when loving one another is going to be hard. But for the most part, there's going to be times when you enjoy and cherish and and benefit from the love of this community and the forgiveness of this community and the exhortation of this community. One person is going to understand God's word in a way that you don't or vice versa. So many benefits from being a part of the community of God. And clearly we are called to that. I heard one person say it this way. uh, We shouldn't treat other people any differently than the way God has treated us. We shouldn't treat other people any differently than the way God has treated us. Has God forgiven you? Then you need to be quick to forgive your brother and sister. Has God treated you with love and kindness? Then you should do the same. Has God called you out of sin into a a life? Then you should do that with your brothers and sisters. Right. Any way that God has shown you grace and mercy and love, you should be quick to do that with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And thankfully, by the Holy Spirit, we can do that. Remember, God, when Jesus saves us, when Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, he did so not just to save us as individuals, but to do so as a community. So as we think about how that applies to this church, how we can 
uh, seek community in this church, I think of a few things. Where do we find community within, within FBC Commerce? Well, one, one of those ways is on a Sunday morning, right? Um, as we gather together, um, there's time before and after service that we would spend time with one another. One of my favorite things as your pastor is when I go back to the back of the church to greet people as they go out and I stand there by myself, not having anybody talk to me because you guys are talking to each other. That's an amazing thing. I love that. Uh, it's, it's a blessing to my heart to see people laughing and joking around. Maybe people having a, a, um, a serious conversation in this corner. Some folks laughing and, and giggling in this corner. That just seeing the fellowship, uh, just being able to put eyes on that true fellowship is an amazing thing. So as we gather on Sunday mornings, remember, you're coming to hear the Word of God preached primarily and to sing to Him and worship Him, but interacting with one another is a great time. Don't waste a Sunday morning. Don't waste a Sunday morning because you might not see each other again the rest of the week. So don't waste that Sunday morning when you get to come and shake hands, uh, maybe meet somebody that you've not met before um, within our church, uh, get to know them. You can even go to lunch together afterwards. I will allow that. All right. So don't waste a Sunday morning to gather together. Uh, Second, we have Sunday school um, uh, during uh, the hour right before service from 930 to 1030. That's a great time to join together uh, and just have a lot of conversation. My office is right next to the Sunday school room. I I hear Dennis teaching a lot, but I also hear a lot of laughing and a lot of talking, a lot of enjoying one another's company. That's a great time to do that at that 930 hour. Praise God, we've not had a lot of space recently, um, but that's a really good thing. Um, And a third way is through community group. Um, We have that tonight. It's a time when we can gather together outside of these four walls to, to relate to one another, hear from one another, pray for one another, hear our kids play together, all kinds of great things. So those are three ways right now that we can find community within our church. And praise God, take advantage of those three ways. Take advantage of those three ways. Um, Whether that's coming on Sunday morning, don't waste that time. Um, Joining together in a Sunday school class or joining community group. Those are three ways that you can find that community. You you can live out those one another's. You can live out that gospel community. So as we close this morning, I just ask that we would consider how important community is to our identity And then we would learn to live in community with one another, encouraging one another, as long as it's today. And guess what? Every day is today. So we always get to encourage one another and live together. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we come before you thanking you for everything you've done for us. God, we ask that you would help us to see that you have redeemed us, not just us as individuals, but us as a community, to live together as one. And God, we ask that you would give us the strength, that your Holy Spirit would empower us to love one another, forgive one another, that we would speak well of one another, that we would bear one another's burdens. We forgive one another, encourage one another. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would enable us to do that. God, we pray as we sing this next song that we would join together our hearts together as one to sing to you about how great you are. As we sing these words, it's not how great is my God, but it's how great is our God. We are joining together as one people to sing your praises. Father, I pray for those in this room. Lord, I pray that as we um, examine our own hearts and lives, that we would 
discern whether or not we have a relationship with you and therefore a relationship with God's people. God, we just pray that you would um, show us who we are in Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.